0: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: You're listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. Get caught up on this week's top stories from The Hash Crew. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Monday's top story.
2: All right, we're going on over to Galaxy Digital Land. They have abandoned their $1.2 billion plan to acquire crypto custody firm Bitco. Their crypto focused financial services firm says Bitco has failed to provide financial statements by the July deadline. So we'll remember that the deal was announced in May 2021. It was supposed to be closed by the end of the year. BitGo was required to send audited financial statements for 2021 by July 31st, and they did not do so. So the deal is kaput. Wendy, I'm going to throw this one down to you. We do look so nice and yellow in this column here on the left-hand side of the screen. I love it. We should match more often. Wendy, what, what do you make of this news this morning?
3: Well, I would like to say I'm happy to be back with you guys. and missed you all. I think that this is going to be a common thing that we're going to start to see. Even though Bitcoin price is starting to appreciate in a positive aspect, we have the ETH merge coming, everybody is so excited. People are getting euphoric again. We still have to remember that we're in a bear market and a lot of people were impacted with the crypto contagion. And I don't think the crypto contagion is done. So I think we're going to see a lot more stories of companies that are trying to be acquired or acquire different entities that want to be bought out. And a lot of these deals will fall through because their balance sheets or their financial statements are not up to par as to what they originally pitched because a lot of people took massive Ls in the particular market. So I think we'll be seeing a lot more of this and you know, bear, just bear market things, guys.
4: Bear I market mean, things. No one knows what's happening behind the scenes here on this panel, but this one was shocking this morning. This had been a major, major deal that had been announced something like 15 months ago. And for it not to get over the finish line as was anticipated is a bit striking. Galaxy Digital obviously helmed by Mike Novogratz, BitGo, helmed by Mike Belshi. These are people who've been in this space for a long time, who know what they're doing and know why this would have been an attractive marriage. And for it to be called off like this on a Monday morning here in August, I think it was a bit striking to folks as they stumbled upon this news today. I know it was for me personally. To see this fail to actually get completed is crazy. It was a very splashy deal when it was announced and it's not coming to pass. That's wild. Anyway. Wendy, back to you.
3: But you said it was announced 15 months ago, right? Yeah. Well, that was in the middle of the bull market. Everybody was excited. Everybody was euphoric. Money was like pouring in from everywhere. So I feel like people are going to start to be a lot more conservative when it comes to their capital, when it comes to their cash, their crypto, their gold, whatever it is. I think that we will actually see a lot of these deals fall through. So I'm not surprised. I'm not shocked, especially everything that's happened in the last two months in
4: crypto. Hey, you know, the time is not right. Let's, uh, well, let's pump the brakes on this let's rethink this but yeah i don't know something is up here it's interesting to watch this one come to pass but over to you wendy sorry jen whatever <laughs> like yellow i don't
2: know it's where Monday. To, it's it's, like- yeah everyone's yellow we all look the same it's tough i, I was just going to point to the fact you know we spoke about galaxy digital's earnings call i, I think it was last week or the week before uh, their shares have gone down 60 percent since march but as of June, they said they had a liquidity position of $1.5 billion. When we talked about it on the show, we talked about a, a little bit of a shift in direction that came out of that earnings call, right? They said they were going to focus more on, on mining acquisitions. You know, we think about the bull market. Money is flying everywhere, Wendy. That was a great kind of picturesque description of what happens in this industry in the bull market. Everyone is so excited and rich. And then the bear market comes around and we really need to pump the brakes. I think that this was a blessing in disguise. I think that their sites are maybe set elsewhere and we will see that come to fruition. But from that earnings call, it seems like Galaxy Digital at least is doing okay. That's all I got for that. Tuesday's
1: top story.
3: So we're going to be doing a follow-up story here. Crypto custody from BICO to sue Galaxy Digital for abandoning $1.2 billion merger agreement. So basically, Galaxy Digital yesterday announced the termination of its plan to acquire BitGo. And they claimed it was due to failure of delivery. I think that there was some sort of audited financial statements for last year that needed to be provided by BitGo, which was in the scope of the agreement. And BitGo failed to do that. So Galaxy Digital says, we don't want to acquire you. Now BitGo wants to go ahead and sue them. And they're stating... For its improper decision to terminate the merger agreement with BitGo, which was not scheduled to expire until December 31st, 2022, at the earliest and not to pay the $100 revenue reverse break fee it had promised back in March of 2022 in order to induce BitGo to extend the merger agreement. BitGo said it will seek the $100 million fee and the amount in legal damages, and Galaxy Digital says no termination fee is payable in connection with the termination. So we're going to see another crypto legal battle. We actually throw this to Jen because she is wearing purple today for her odds.
2: <laughs> so there's a quote here I want to point to from one of the lawyers that are representing BitGo in this case. They said either Galaxy owes BitGo a $100 million termination fee as promised or it has been acting in bad faith and faces damages of much more than that. I wonder if they will be able to prove that Galaxy was acting in bad faith. That would be a really interesting scenario for Galaxy to have known that they didn't want to be a part of this deal for X amount of time and then to have backed out. So I think it will be an exciting case to watch play out. I'm so curious as to why this keeps happening in the crypto industry. Like maybe I'm just so far removed from regular life. Maybe this happens in regular life. But it just feels like there's so much miscommunication when it comes to these mergers, acquisitions, partnerships. We saw it recently with uh, Binance and WaserX. It wasn't exactly the same, but it's like one company says something that has to do with the other company and the other company is like, actually, that's not true at all. We saw it with Coinbase and the SEC. And so I just like wondered this morning, why does this keep happening In this industry, are we in need of leadership or like does this just happen everywhere and we're so embedded in it that we talk about it every day? I don't know, Zach. What do you think?
4: I think drama, lots of drama (laughs) here. That's all I think. Big time drama. This is what makes business reporting fun, actually, right? Here's these Mm -hmm. big high-stakes deals that get announced, and sometimes they don't get consummated. This was $1.2 billion. This was a huge acquisition. It was it was expected to be among the biggest in crypto history. And certainly notable in the broader business press. So, for this to again not come to pass is crazy. And obviously, we're going to see a bit of contentiousness unfold here. Both sides did not see this as a mutual, amicable break, they saw this as one party acting in bad faith. And it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out because, you know, I think we were speculating yesterday, again, just based speculation that maybe this was a mutually agreed upon best course of action. But clearly, as indicated by BitGo's statement yesterday, that's not how they're feeling. So it's going to be wild to see how this unfolds. Jen, tossing it back to you, you're definitely wearing pink.
2: It's kind of like the color situation on the show today, right? We all agreed we were going to wear purple, but then two of us had interpreted that in a different way. That's kind of what's happening in this story. Yeah, you'll be hearing. From, you'll be
4: hearing from my lawyer shortly. Yeah, yeah. from your lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, Wendy, if the I'm...
4: comments, if the commenters aren't saying that this is purple and that is pink, I'm also, I'm also very upset. The commenters anyway.
2: are saying we did you dirty. They are. So Damn, I true. mean, everyone's on your side, Zach. Wendy, I wanted to throw it back to you. Yesterday, you were saying like this could be a result of market conditions, right? And we know that Galaxy was a big supporter. Well, Mike Novogratz was a big supporter of Terra Luna it could just be that they're not in a position to move forward with this. They took one part of the contract, interpreted that in a certain way. And they were like, let's just see what's going to happen if we, we get out of this. But I will throw it back to you for final words.
3: I actually like that, your last comment. And I they probably got, I would imagine that they probably spoke to legal. Legal said, you know what, just do this. This is the best course of action is to just end up having to possibly break the deal and maybe pay the $100 instead of acquiring it for the $1.2 billion, because that's a really big price discrepancy there. So I think that's exactly what happened. And I wouldn't be surprised if the business was just not as profitable or just didn't make sense for them to acquire in this bear market. But the last thing I want to add is I just don't understand how these big companies, especially in crypto, don't plan for bear markets and they're not kind
4: of hedging. Fair enough. Fair enough.
1: Wednesday's top story.
4: The great deleveraging has another victim. And that victim is Genesis CEO Michael Morrow, who is stepping down as Genesis, the crypto lender, cuts 20% of its workforce facing hard times. Now, this stems from financial difficulties relating to extending loans to Three Arrows Capital. There was something like a $1.2 billion hole in the books that was later assumed by Genesis parent company, Digital Currency Group. Now, this disclosure, Digital Currency Group also owns Coindesk. So Coindesk and Genesis are sister companies, but that doesn't stop us from talking about the news. I'm going to toss this over to Adam for his initial thoughts on Genesis having to cut back pretty significantly and seeing its CEO go elsewhere as a result of this pretty staggering loss.
5: I mean, I think that what we're seeing here is the kind of the other shoe that's starting to drop in some of these uh, some of these companies. You know, we've already seen it from companies like Voyager and companies like Celsius, Well, mostly companies like Voyager, uh, not so much Celsius yet. Uh, You know, I mean, ultimately, these are big bets that these companies made. If they had paid off, they would have been geniuses. They did not pay off. Instead, they blew up in their faces. And so this is just naturally what happens. Honestly, a $1.2 billion loss and all you're doing is leaving the company. I feel pretty good about that. That seems like a, like a less worse uh, you know, outcome than certainly you could see from something like this. What do you think, Wendy?
3: I'm very sad. The entire market and all the layoffs, all of the crypto contagion has just made me really, really sad. Another thing that's kind of problematic to me, Like I understand that there's these big losses and these big holes. But at least I think that we should kind of keep people employed. Like bear markets are for building. They're for building. That's how I was able to build my channel successfully. I know so many other people that have built great things. But if we keep letting talented people go, how are you going to be able to build and grow when the next bull market hits? Either way, I'm just very sad. Jen?
2: You know, when I read this story, I thought about the Doquan interview we spoke about this week. You know, so much of this happened because of the Terra Luna contagion. And just thinking about that interview and thinking about him saying, well, I didn't know this was going to happen and kind of shrugging it off and not really acknowledging the human element on the other side of this, you know, 52 people lost their jobs at just Genesis. This is 20% of the company. It makes me sad, Wendy, you know, and I think we can say that, you know, a lot of these companies didn't properly prepare for a bear market, but I think they also didn't properly prepare. They also maybe didn't think that we could have contagion to this magnitude kicked off by such an event that, you know, no one expected. And so it is sad. But Adam, I'll pass it back to you. I think I saw your hand go back up.
5: Yeah. So I think that there's a couple of different things here. One, you can talk about individual impacts and you can talk about what happens to individual human beings. And that is very sad in large circumstances. Honestly, though, I'm pretty happy to see the failures that we're seeing. I hope we see more of them. I don't hope that because I like failures. I hope that because the reality of it is, is that that's the way that we make progress, is that companies come along and some overextend and some underextend and the ones that overextend and the ones that underextend, right? You judge the environment wrong. And then the market says, okay, no, you were totally wrong about that. Go do something else that's more valuable, right? So like the the process by which this stuff clears and kind of the all the garbage that's in the space clears... That happens at a systemic level. And it's more like you can think about it like water flowing, right? Again, like it's not like this stuff is finite. The opportunity will always be there. It's just a question of what's the vehicle that we're using to chase that at any given time. And if these things aren't allowed to fail, then we wind up having companies that aren't doing a good job, but are sucking up resources, sucking up talent, and really doing nothing useful with it. So again, it's better that we try a lot of stuff. Some of it fails. We learn from that and we go on. Wendy, back to you.
3: I definitely agree with that. It's just very hard for me because so many retail investors were hurt and so many people totally. had their funds left on exchanges, myself included. Me, I'm fine, though. It doesn't matter. But I, one of the things I do want to say is this just goes to prove to the SEC and to any of these ivory towery third-party bodies that just because you're an accredited investor or an institutional investor doesn't mean that you're more well able to invest in the current market. Because we're seeing this now with all these institutional investors and these accredited investors taking these massive losses, just like retail.
4: Yeah. I mean, again, just a big, big black eye for crypto lending, right? We saw on the retail side with Celsius and Voyager. Here, this is a pretty big one for the institutional side of the crypto lending market to see these cuts happen. Certainly significant.
5: Last and word to I add. Mean, yeah. Just before we move on, like I think that the the other takeaway is how well decentralized lending performed, how well the over collateralized, less leveraged platforms performed mm-hmm. to the extent you were decentralized, was to the extent that except in some very, uh, you know, small circumstances, this didn't really affect you in the same way. So again, I think that what we learned is that those centralized risk-taking attributes that come with plays like like these big lenders that are out there, they just have risk because they're willing to trust people. They're willing to say, hey, you guys look like you have a lot of money. So, okay, let's do this as opposed to MakerDAO where they're like, okay, put up 150% collateral for the money you want to borrow from us. And hey, we're good, you know, so long as you maintain that ratio. Anyways, we have to move on, but it's a, it's a fascinating story
1: thursday's top story
5: all right i'm kicking us
4: off with the prospect of legal threats purely hypothetical here but brian armstrong ceo of coinbase big old u.s exchange is thinking about what would happen if there was the potential for regulatory intervention as it relates to the new ethereum network when posed a question on twitter he jumped in the replies and say hey If push came to shove and we were asked to censor Ethereum transactions at the protocol level, we would likely do that so as to not run afoul of Johnny Law. Rational response, potentially big picture thinking, but certainly a conversation that is taking place quite loudly in the wake of OFAC sanctioning the entirety of the Tornado Cash protocol causing some people to be alarmed so that future actions may go even farther. So this is uh, this is interesting always to see the CEO of a major uh, exchange in the space get into the comments on Twitter. I think that is a feature of the space. It's relatively flat in terms of people getting involved and talking and sharing their opinions. But the big picture here is, hey, don't want to run afoul of the law. And if it came down to it, we're a company. We have to protect our corporate interests. And that's what we will do. I'm going to toss this to Adam for his thoughts on this latest news from Coinbase.
5: It's an interesting piece of news, I think more so in that it really kind of draws us back to the philosophy of cryptocurrency. That philosophy basically says that this is not just a better way to do things. This is sort of a fundamental reorganization of how things can be done and of how things perhaps should be done in recognition of those new realities. So this is a tension that I think that we're going to see increasingly as we go over the course of the next couple of years and as Ethereum clearly rises as an increasingly important force, not just in the world of collectibles, but also in the world of finance. One of the things about Ethereum that my sense is, at least, uh, you know, as someone who really don't consider myself a Bitcoin or an Ethereum fan, anything like that, I'm in general a fan of these technologies, but it's hard to, you know, really do anything other than just recognize what's happening right now. Right now, what I think we're seeing is we're seeing that the Ethereum ecosystem, which has been much more comfortable with government oversight, has been much more comfortable with, uh, you know, the types of controls and the types of requirements that really a lot of people in the world of Bitcoin have not been. this is the challenge is that as you become more important, it becomes harder to resist the pressures that naturally come upon you to be compliant with sort of the rest of the world, right? And in a world of, you know, Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto, there is no founder, nobody knows anything about anything. There are no companies who are systemically important. Like it, you can see that Bitcoin has given up a lot to keep that robustness that has made it so that this type of stuff doesn't really matter in the same way. Ethereum has gone the other direction. And so it's both an opportunity and a challenge for them, but it's not at all surprising to see these types of moves from again, publicly traded CEOs. You know I mean? Like that is, there's a ton of responsibility that falls on you when you're in one of those positions, And so this just seems like it's the only possible answer that you could give because otherwise you're basically saying, you know, that either we're going to, you know, this is going to ruin parts of the ecosystem, or we're going to shut down parts of our own ecosystem and then be less competitive as a result of being in these jurisdictions. So it's not surprising. It's a little bit disappointing to see, but I think it's a big issue that Ethereum is going to have to deal with over the course of the next couple of years, Jen.
2: Yeah. I was also not surprised by this, I mean, and also kudos to Brian Armstrong, who's just so willing to get out there and share his opinion and be so publicly outspoken about a lot of the things we talk about in the space i think him choosing to rather shut down staking than enable on-chain censorship is not surprising coming from him he's shown that you know he is driven by that foundational ethos that you were talking about adam but at the same time he really needs to be on the right side of regulators coinbase has definitely been in the spotlight lately there's the insider trading case The SEC is looking at them for a bunch of alleged securities that are on the platform. And then if you remember last year, they shut down their lend product because the SEC threatened to sue. So I think, you know, Coinbase really can't afford to be on the wrong side of regulators. And so again, not a surprising tweet, but Zach, back to you.
4: Yeah. I mean, I think with the proof of stake transition for Ethereum, right, it's a whole new way to secure the network. and. There is the emergence of some very large validators, some of which are exchanges themselves. And I think there are sort of uh, concerns that those are entities that may be censored, sanctioned or otherwise inhibited from carrying out um, an uncensored transaction history on the Ethereum blockchain. So these are some of those big picture questions that you often hear sort of bandied about in the debate with between proof of stake and proof of work, which are two very different competing versions for how to secure a network. Ethereum heretofore has been proof of work, but this is a big shift, obviously, to proof of stake. And it introduces sort of these game theoretical weird things that have to be reckoned with when it comes to nation state level attacks on this network. And I think to Adam's point, you know, that exchanges are sort of becoming bigger and bigger validators of the new Ethereum is something that potentially has ramifications down the line. But we will wait to see what those ramifications are, and I'm sure we'll talk about it then.
1: coindesk has a new event it's called ideas the investing in digital assets and enterprises summit it facilitates capital flow and market growth by connecting the digital economy with traditional finance Join us for a 360 investment experience where you can source, invest, and secure the next big deal in digital assets, all in one place. Use code hash20 for 20% off a general pass. Register today at coinestcom forward slash ideas.